You're listening to Data Plus Love. I'm your host, Zach Bowders. I'm here today with Spencer Bauke, who is a consultant at Tessellation, but you probably know him from Visit the Day because Spencer not only has, I believe, the highest absolute count of Visit the Days at 13, but the highest percentage at one in three because he has 39. Po- Spencer, what deal did you make with the devil? You know, I didn't make a deal that I know of, but it does kind of make you question the criteria for Viz of the Day now. That's that's how I look at it anyway. <laughs> do, do you want me to say that? I mean, do you want me to take your side there? And it's like, you know, I have to agree. Like, some of these aren't that great. Is that where you want me to go? I, I mean, we just got to be truthful about it. I mean, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> some Like, some of the times the most average ones will get it, and then some that I go... That might have been one, but it didn't get it. So I have, I have no idea how they choose to be, you know, I have no idea. I mean, are you worried about losing your track record at this point? You know, I mean, is that an official stat the most? Like, is that, I mean. I'm calling it. Spencer okay. is the most. All right. Well, I'll, I'll take it then. I, 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 take, uh, I take all gifts, man. That's fair. So um, I know for me, like, I know something is either going to go viral or get vis of the day if I have a significant misspelling in the title. <laughs> right. So I've That's had it. Works. Oh gosh. Yeah. Like I had my, my Nicholas cage viz was my first visit of the day and I misspelled uh, Nicholas cause he spells Nicholas slightly differently. And uh tableau also used the image I had of Nicholas misspelled as well. So it's really <laughs> doubling down on that, which let me tell you, like that victory really tastes like ashes in your mouth when you can see <laughs> when you can see one of the most avoidable pitfalls you could possibly make, which is just simple spelling of a significant Hollywood actor. Um, yeah. And then you know that this viz is going to get, you know, at least eight, nine, ten thousand views and every single person is going spell misspell Nicholas. It's like, ah, it's all right. Yeah, I mean, I I just released a viz earlier this week about Ridley and Tony Scott. And uh, to get that data, I sort of went through Rotten Tomatoes and I called their directorial works. And then I um, added some data from Box Office Mojo about the revenue of their films. And I, while I was doing this, I'm like, huh, I did not think Tony Scott directed True Lies. I always thought that was James Cameron. And it's like, yeah, because he produced it. I just screwed up the data. So like I put it out there and I put it on uh, Tableau Public and I tweet it and I thought like, what the hell? I'll put this one on Reddit because I do that every now and then. It's almost a social experiment at this point because like sure. I've had visas that I knew were really great and respond, people responded really well to just totally flop there. And I've had other ones that weren't very good go viral. So my first John Wick one there had like 40,000 upvotes. I was like, that's insane. And people are like, you should do the others. I'm like, yeah, man. <laughs> so I do, I do number two and it's like, 80 upvotes like not 80,000 like 80 and I'm like well I'm already rolling so I'll just do the last one I got like seven and I'm like I don't get this anymore the the reddit crowd is definitely different than the twitter sphere when it comes to reception of vizs I I had uh, I had one um viz that I I'm not trying to you know humble brag or whatever but I did have one that one viz of the day that the biggest upvoted reddit response was I just took a class on what makes a visualization bad. And here you have it. Wow. <laughs> I was like, awesome. This is Reddit. <laughs> I've had, uh, I've had visas removed from Reddit for not being data, <laughs> which fascinated me uh, because they, they said there has to be a quantitative element to this. I've had a map removed from data is beautiful for not being data. 
I also at one point put stuff on data art and had it removed for being neither data nor art, which is about like, I mean, damn, like, like, I mean, the burn you get, like, it's it's far worse than if someone just like comes out and says, like, this is garbage, you're stupid. Like, you expect that. Like, that's like the 12 year old on Xbox Live that like starts like you know degrading you while playing Fortnite or whatever i'm too old for Fortnite, but you get the point but it's like when when like the moderators were like this this fails to meet both (laughs) qualifications of why this subreddit exists like that's humbling like you can't pay for that kind of humility i'm literally dying over here zach i've been having to hit the mute button because i'm laughing so hard I, I didn't expect to, to just like to just come out this hot with uh, with personal humiliations. I mean, so I, I, I just want to visit this past week for must run on um, coffee or Coke, which is like the uh, miscongeniality of Vizzy's. It's like you put out a lot of stuff like but um, I thought it was well, funny because on that. Thank you. on that. Let's I mean, let's just as podcast listeners, let's just you know, give Zach a hand for all that he does. So you deserve it, man. Great job. The, the, the funny thing about it was immediately afterwards, so we're coming hot off the, to the Tableau-ish uh, 20 conference, which is entirely virtual this year, which was kind of a mixed blessing for some because more people got to attend, but a lot of people also had to sort of work at the same time. Um, so coming off of the Vizies, there was like a little virtual happy hour right after. And during that virtual happy, happy hour, and like Kevin Fleurledge will attest to this, um, me on Zoom was literally me standing at my kitchen sink washing dishes on Zoom while talking with them and like hey man that vision must run on uh coffee or coke like how do you get that i'm like i'm washing dishes on a zoom call like that's how you get this like i never do less than two things at a time so that's right that's life of a parent as well oh yeah so we we pregame talking about uh dad life and how uh there's things that your your uh your friends without kids won't won't be able to relate to when you discuss it but also like the unique ways that your children can just totally crush you psychologically, uh, even as infants, like they'll do something and you're just like shaken afterwards. Like, I didn't know, like I could be brought so low by something so small. Yeah. I mean, especially after COVID and all of the, you know, you know, obstacles people have had to overcome just to, just to work. Right. Uh, I, I had a coworker who was like, you know, how are you doing today? And I was like, well, I dropped, my kid off at my parents' house. So all I have to do today is work. I'm essentially on vacation. And they were like, you're on vacation. I was like, yeah, all I have to do today is work. This is, I mean, this is, this is freedom. I mean, I, I definitely relate to that, particularly in the very early days of COVID. I've been very fortunate in that I'm in the Memphis, Tennessee area. And for the most part, stuff, uh, stuff maintained very low levels and f- opened up fairly early. So my kids actually had a summer camp lately. Mind you, they had to wear masks, actually distant, be careful and stuff. And my kids are both physically in school right now, although we had to put one in private school to make that happen because our local public school district actually changed its decision of what they were doing about four times in three weeks. So like every parent was pissed off. Like they found a way sure. to take some unhappy people and make everyone unhappy. It was kind of astonishing. Like you can't do that on purpose. But um, not even mad. That's impressive. no. It's it's like wow. So I mean, <laughs> the early days of COVID. I remember um, I I was working uh, at my old job at the time. I work at JLL now. And on Friday afternoon, they said, I think we're going to be working from home for the next two weeks. So take home what you're going to need for the next two weeks. 
And uh, my boss and my director called me at their office like, so there's something we want you to look into because, you know, COVID might have an impact on this. And uh, you have about a week and a half. So next Tuesday, not this coming Tuesday, next Tuesday, you're going to have to have something. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Uh, so Monday morning rolls around. Monday morning, it's pouring rain outside because it's, you know, it's spring in Memphis. Um, my wife's home. Both my children are home. I kind of feel like I'm living in a submarine. I'm sitting at a temporary desk situation in my upstairs office. And around 7.15 Monday morning, because I start work at 7, my boss was like, what can you have today? And I'm like, that was, that was the, the beginning of my COVID experience. And it's like, oh, God, like, that's what this is going to be like, huh? It's like, yeah, it's been crazy, man. It's been crazy for a lot of people. So if you had asked me half a year ago, would you ever consider working at home 100% of the time? I'd be like, no, that's crazy. But at a certain point, after you've already done it about five and a half months, and you know you see a job and it's like, hey, this job's 100% virtual. I'm like, that. how's that different from my job that's ostensibly not right now, but is 100% virtual? So yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely interested to see how this shapes job market going forward, seeing how many jobs end up staying remote. Right. And, and uh, how people react to it. It's definitely going to be interesting. I think it's I think it's a really great opportunity for both like employers and employees, potentially by opening up the job market so much. For one thing, that allows you a much bigger possibility because you're no longer constrained by where you're living. Like you may live where you are because your parents live there or something or you're there's a great school for your kids. For me, both my kid, both of my children are dyslexic now. So my second child is also dyslexic. We have one of like 14 schools for dyslexia about 15 minutes from my house. Like we got freaking lucky with where we live. That was coincidental. But that's like, awesome. um, and my parents moved locally at the beginning of COVID, like just coincidentally, that's when they're moving down. So I've now got the support network and that. So, I mean, having a, you know, a job that's remote that might be based out of Chicago, like that's no longer an obstacle. And, you know, for them, they're able to look for talent at a broader area rather than just locally or looking for people that would move. So it can possibly be a win-win. On the other hand, that means you might have to have, you know, skill up a bit because now there's more competition for the same jobs. But Absolutely. Hey, it's all, a, you know, it's, a, it's all one big uh, job market equation. So speaking of sort of development and personal journeys, like where did you start out from? Like, like you are obviously your consultant now. Uh, yeah. You work with uh, Luke Stank, who came on previously and hijacked the podcast and started the great pizza taco debate. Which Luke was on here. Luke was on this podcast. Luke was on this podcast. I'm I'm done. Let's just shut it down. Let's shut it down. I, yeah, no, I, I'm obviously just kidding, Luke. Uh, yeah, I, I do work with Luke Sankey. That's actually uh, my unofficial job title is, oh, you work with Luke Sankey. That they mean that is like a good thing or like, oh, you work with Luke Sankey. Uh, well, they see it as a good thing. Um uh, you know, and I, I'm not going to convince them otherwise, but they definitely see it that way. So I'm going to derail this for a second because Luke derailed things for me when he came on with a series of questions. Among you those really? was, which is better, pizza or tacos? Actually, he had burgers, too. If you choose burgers out of pizza, tacos or burgers, like, I don't want to talk to you. Just, like, get out. But, like, so he and I started this this semi-friendly Twitter feud of of, like, dueling polls about which was better. And I ultimately ended up summarizing it in a mobile viz um, and he won, but he won because one of his questions is cooked. And let me explain why. One of his questions was, you wake up, there's leftovers in the fridge, which do you choose, pizza or tacos? And pizza won by a huge margin. And I say, that's a false canard, Luke, because there is no such thing as leftover tacos. 
Like That's I've never right. seen leftover tacos. If there's tacos, they're all gone. That's like, confirmation bias at its finest. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you know what? I'm calling for a rematch on the great pizza tacos debate. I do not concede defeat and I'm calling my attorneys. Well, I, I back this. You know, if you are fighting against Luke uh, to overturn this, I'm absolutely on your side, Zach. Thank you. I, I knew you would be like mostly just to be oppositionally defiant against Luke, but it's it's worth it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm here for you if you need support. So so back to Luke and how you came to this place. So obviously you're you're a very talented consultant and you know a little bit about data visualization looking at your portfolio. I mean, you've got this very well established portfolio. Obviously, it's gotten a lot of recognition for you within the Tableau community. So where how did you get into analytics and sort of where's that taken you? Yeah. So I actually started in banking. Uh, so I have an undergrad in econ and a master's degree in finance. And I thought the natural thing for me to do was work in finance. I mean, it, it does make sense if you have a master's degree in finance to work in finance. But to be honest, I wasn't great at it. And I didn't really like it. And so if you're looking for a reason to move jobs, that's probably as good of a reason as, as there is. So uh, I actually went to a two-day training class from none other than Zen master Jeff Schaefer. And he just, he hooked me hook, line and sinker. If, if you've ever seen Jeff present, or if you've ever been to one of his sessions, a Tableau conference, I mean, the guy is just so good at portraying his passion and his love for Tableau and data in general. And he got me. And so during that two-day class, I was like, man, like, I, I think I can do this, you know? Um, and he kind of inspired that confidence in me. And so I actually started doing some on the side data work for a local nonprofit here in Cincinnati. And that grew into a, a passion of mine too, so that I would go home on, on weekends and, you know, just viz a bunch of stuff like sports visits or, uh, you know, different topics I was interested just to get better at the tool. And then I saw a job open at the city of Cincinnati in the office of performance and data analytics there. And I was like, oh man, like this, this might be my shot. So I applied there. Um, their chief uh, data officer, Lee Tammy, gave me an opportunity to work there. And that was really my first Tableau stint or, you know, Tableau job ever. And I just loved it. I loved it. Um, she made it awesome to work there. The, the role was, was perfect. I got to learn. I got to explore, to create. Um, and that's why I knew I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And I want to continue down this path. So I left there, went to GE Digital, and I worked there for a couple of years. And then I met Luke at Tableau Conference a couple of years later. And he had been you know, DMing me, you know, uh, you know, we, we have this company that we're starting. It's called Tessellation. Um, we should meet up at conference. I was like, all right, cool. So let's meet up at conference. So I met up with Luke, uh, met him in person um, for the first time and we just kind of hit it off and I loved what they were doing. I loved the idea of getting just completely immersed in Tableau data analytics for a day job and I eventually I, I made the jump. And so I guess the rest is history. That's, you know, that's what started as a two day training 
uh, from Jeff Schaefer, uh, you know, during a job that I didn't really care for or wasn't really good at turned into something that I love doing and, and I love the people I work with. I love hearing people's stories and journeys because you see people come from all sorts of places. Like at least now more people are sort of coming from data viz in college, but like, especially if you're like 30 or older, most people had something leading up before that. I mean, my buddy, David Kelly, who's my, still my wingman, we go for walks every day and we tweet all day long. Uh, he started as a French major. And now he's like a data vis guy. So people come from all over. And I think one of the common misconceptions, if you're sort of on the outside looking in, is you look at it and you're like, man, you must have to be like, like really good at math and probably programming and all sorts of stuff. I mean, that wouldn't hurt, but it's not a prerequisite in any way. Like, honestly, sort of logical thinking is far more important than mathematical like rigidity and understanding and also sort of knowing what looks good like i mean honestly if i think if you were really into like hgtv you could probably do really well at data viz like because you look at it and it's like you can look at a data viz and know one that's like this is aesthetically pleasing and also it uh i want to look at it versus one that you look at it and you're just like whoa like there's so much going on here i'm never going to get something out of this yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, tons of people in the community have come from different backgrounds. I mean, even even Luke, I've, you know, worked at worked at a you know school district, right? Um, so I mean, there's there's like a a ton of different backgrounds, a ton of different opportunities, and it, you know, sometimes it's you know grinding it out and learning it on your own. Other times it's you know hooking on with a great company like I was able to do and learning from the people there. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of different journeys to get there, and I think that's part of what makes it so awesome. I mean, I agree. It's, I really enjoy seeing a community of so many like different people of sort of diverse backgrounds, both in terms of personally, but as well as professionally. I mean, my first job out of college was also actually at a bank. I, uh, I graduated with two bachelors and a master's. I had an MIS degree and a marketing degree. And then I thought, uh, what the hell it's 2004. The job market's pretty bad. I'll just get my MBA. I rolled through that in about a year and a half. And then it turns out the job market was still equally bad. So I was unemployed for about six months. I was unemployed to the point where like I actually had to briefly go on food stamps. My parents had sort of moved away. Um, so I didn't really have much of a support network locally. So I, I actually had to go and apply for like assistance, got turned down initially because of my education, had to come back and appeal, which was like really great for sort of like I never uh, really associated, like understood, um, like how people slipped through the cracks before. And I saw myself like at the beginning of that, like not to say like I really fell, but like I burned through my personal savings. I was clearly like running out of ends. And had I not had like some kind of social safety net to help me out, then I, I would have been in pretty bad shape. So like that was a really interesting phase of my life because here I am coming off of like achieving these degrees and feeling really good. And, you know, you go to your commencement, everyone's like, and you're going to conquer the world. And then it's like six months later, you're like, man, like I am totally out of money, flat, broke, and no one will hire me. Like I had a job during grad school that wouldn't hire me back because like, you're just a flight risk now. You're going to leave when you get a better job. And I'm like, well, true, but like, I'm, you liked me before, you know? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I started out at a bank too. So that's kind of uh, fascinating that, that that's where you began as well, though. Obviously you came sort of the finance realm. Yeah, uh, definitely didn't, you know, I, I didn't start out there. It actually took me a few years to get even to there and kind of like yourself after college, I, I graduated and I had been working construction for like three years. And uh, after I graduated college, I kept working construction. <laughs> and so 
I was like, what am I going to do? Uh, I got this college degree and I am, uh, you know, uh, laying pavers all day. I mean, I, I love the work, um, but, it, you know, it, interestingly enough, I actually think that that's what made me kind of fall in love with Tableau uh, at the beginning was the opportunity to build and to create, right? And I always loved that about construction or I love that about um, other jobs I had worked is you come in to a job site, there's literally either nothing there or something there that you have to destroy and build back up. And I always love that concept of kind of building from the ground up and Tableau let me do that. And, uh, but just in a different way. Right. And so I always, I always feel like that's what pulls me to Tableau, even if I have to use other softwares for work, or even if that has, you know, even if I have to do different projects uh, for clients, that's always what brings me back to my love of, of Tableau. So let me expand on that for a second. So I, I have a couple of angles I could go here, but I'm going to go in an unorthodox one. Oftentimes this podcast is kind of a Tableau podcast because most of the guests I have on, I know through the sort of greater Tableau community. You're a guy that happens to use multiple software products. And one of those is Power BI right now. And I'm not one to throw shade generally about products because really I consider myself to be a data viz guy. Tableau just happens to be my favorite brush. Um, so tell me about Power BI and tell me, I want you to tell me something you like about Power BI. And I'm not saying this like to put you on the spot. I'm just saying, because I know particularly within the Tableau community, it's like, oh, Power BI, you know, but, but I, I understand a lot of people use Power BI for their jobs and Power BI can be pretty versatile to get stuff done. What's something good about Power BI? So let me preface this answer by saying, before we started this podcast, Zach asked me, is there anything that you don't want me to bring up? I should have mentioned Power BI. I did not want to ruin or take this in a direction that your listeners would not want to go with. This but, is on him. I mean, I'm also Tableau ambassador. Like I'm actually like the company's associated with me to a degree. And I'm asking here for like, you know, so, say something positive about a competitor. So, that's, you know. I mean, that's, that's fair. I, I don't have any loyalty, right? I, I'm not a, a Zen or an ambassador. I haven't, I haven't won a Vizzy, right? I have like zero loyalties to uh Tableau, at least in title. 13 um, business of the day. 14. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so it's it's greater than than thirty three point three. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, about Power BI. <laughs> um, yeah, Power BI is great at moving the most amount of data and empowering the most amount of people in the most efficient way possible. It's not pretty. It's not sexy but a lot of times it gets the job done and for a pretty good price. So that's why my clients love it. I'm not going to say I love the tool. I don't love it in terms of the same way that I enjoy using Tableau. I mean, the, the comparisons aren't there, but a lot of people like it for those reasons. So that's my, that's my answer, Zach. That's a good answer. So at uh, TC19, I was stopping to eat lunch one day, which is something rare to do at a Tableau conference, because usually you're just like hauling ass between sessions in a ridiculously huge building in meat grinder hallways with 20,000 people. So I had stopped to eat like a sandwich and you always end up sitting with people you don't know. So I'm sitting at this table with a guy with a laptop. And usually that's interesting because that means like either they've checked out of the conference and have just decided to work or something's going to hell or whatever. So there's this guy sitting there in a laptop and it turns out he is like a... Uh, 
business journalist. And he's covering the Tableau conference because he's talking about you know, some of the Salesforce acquisition stuff. But really, he's interested in how Tableau is going to hold up to Power BI because Microsoft has mm. started to bundle Power BI with a lot of their other packages. So essentially, Power BI is getting out there for a lot cheaper than Tableau. So um, he's asking me what I think about this and how Tableau is going to hold up against this if you know price is a factor. And my response was essentially because Power BI doesn't have the same community around it. I think one of the great intangibles of Tableau beyond the software itself is the community that has sprung up both through Tableau's own initiative and some of the ways they've helped cultivate that with sort of Zen masters and ambassadors. But also so much of it is self-driven, sort of like you and Sports Biz Sunday, for example. You're one of the three founders of that. Um, which is a uh, community initiative to sort of visualize sports data just for the love of the game. So how did Sports Viz Sunday come about? And obviously, sports is one of your big topics in your portfolio. Like, tell me a bit about that. Yeah, um, you know, before I touch on that, I did like your point that you just said on how Tableau will compete. Or during TC20-ish or whatever we're calling it, right, I had several brain dates for people that were interested in Power BI and Tableau, and they were packed every time, right? People, it's obviously a hot topic. People want to talk about it. If you're at a medium plus sized org, you're most likely going to have both tools and you're probably having those same conversations with your coworkers and different departments, right? So it's like, this is a practical conversation. I know that maybe Tableau conference isn't the best place to talk about Power BI, but you know, it's a conversation people are having. So I thought we should have it. And one of the lines that someone said during a brain date just so stuck out to me is they said Tableau's selling point is that they want people to love data. And it really hit me because I I've been doing mostly Power BI work. If you've seen my blog, I've been mostly blogging about Power BI. It's what I do day in, day out, except, you know, when I'm doing business for Tableau Public. But that really hit me because it's like, oof, like they made me love data. <laughs> it's like, you're right. And that is a big selling point um, for the program. So I just, I just want to touch on that because that, when you said that, you know, that, that really hit home for me. Um, but in that same vein, that's what... Uh, led us to start Sports Viz Sunday. And so me, James Smith, Simon Beaumont, also at JLL, uh, started Sports Viz Sunday three years ago or about three years ago, Jan 2018, just as an initiative to share sports visualizations and our passion about it. So all of us are big sports fans, whether it be soccer, boxing, football, basketball, what have you. And so every month we put out a data set for people to Visual, visualize, share back with the community. And then every week I do a weekly roundup where I share all the visas that were created that week that either reference Sports Fist Sunday or I just found on my Twitter feed and thought, hey, this is really cool. People might want to see this and it might inspire people or you know, people want to see this kind of stuff. So uh, that's what we do. And, and, and we actually, um, you know, we've presented at a few conferences now. Like it's just been such a great personal growing opportunity as well. Getting to know those guys who are extremely talented in Tableau. You look at a lot of stuff that James Smith does on his Tableau public. You look at the stuff that Simon does, right? I mean, Iron Viz runner up. He's just so extremely talented. 
and now Chris Westlake is a new addition, newer addition to our team. You're kidding. And I love Chris. Yeah. Yeah. He's a new addition to our team and he's just so extremely talented uh, and up and coming. So it's just been, it's really been an honor, honestly. And I have no idea again, just as I have no idea why they choose some of these visits for visit of the days. I have no idea why they invited me to be part of it, but I love it. And uh, I'm thankful for it. I mean, just one of the things I've learned and doing this podcast is an outshoot of that is for one to say yes to things and two, uh, don't wait for permission to do something. So people sort of going out there and starting their own community exercises, whether it be Sports Viz Sunday or Project Health Viz or Iron Quest or Makeover Monday or any number of things, people sort of doing their own things and running with it. Like there, there's no bottlenecks. There's no gatekeepers. There's no roadblocks. Like if you want to do something, just do it. Like I started this podcast because I was coming off of last year's conference and I was fired up because like when you go to the conference in person, like if this was your first year to attend, first of all, I don't know how you find my podcast, but thank you. But if this was your first year to attend, um, the like youth camp high you get coming off of the actual physical tableau conference is truly tangible. I've called it my favorite week of the year before. And I like I was including like family vacations and that. So I want to apologize to my family. But it's it's really great experience because you not only are you getting there uh, to go and do something you really love, but you're getting to see all these great people that you've connected with. And that makes the experience so much richer and the casual conversations you have where you learn just a ton of stuff just by talking about it. Like you bring that with you and that's an intangible that your employer sort of can't factor in when they're sort of writing that check for the conference. The fact that you're going to come back with 50 new ideas that you're going to implement at work and the passion you're going to bring that will also sort of fire up your users. But I, I wanted to do this podcast because I love those conversations I was having at the conference so much. And I'm like, I bet I can find a way to do that, like, you know, for fun. And, uh, and people uh, willingly come on here like you, like, like suckers. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I don't know why I'm on the podcast. I mean, the last guy you had on here, what's his name? Steve, Steven Shoemaker or Steve Shoe? My, my mentee, Steven Shoemaker. I mean, that guy, I mean, my mind is blown every time I see stuff. And then I saw your DM while I come up. I was like, wait, I'm not computing here. I mean, you just had this dude making just mind blowing topics. Yeah, it's crazy. See, I appreciate you saying that because for one thing, when we got paired as a mentor mentee, I'm like, is this like, are you sure it's not the other way around? Because there's so much I, I want to learn from him because one of my first comments to him was you're so fully formed. Like, what am I bringing to this? Like, what, what are you actually hoping to get from me? And it turns out there is some stuff I can, I can help him with. And one of the great things about the mentor mentee relationship is it is a two way street. Like you are both benefiting from it and learning from each other. But I love you saying that because I look at your work and your work astonishes me. So the fact that so many people can go out there and look at someone else's work and be like, this is so inspiring to me, but it's just like, everyone's thinking that about everyone else. It's the strangest thing. Cause everyone's got so many unique perspectives and styles and different ways that they visualize things um, that yeah, you and he both have very different styles. Like I could look at either of yours and know that it's yours, um, but they're both definitely amazing. And it's so cool that there are so many different ways to be awesome. I make bar charts. Uh, there's That's nothing wrong with that. No, that's what I do. I make, I make bar charts. I, the, one of the first, I was like, uh, when I just joined Tessellation, I was like, I was like, Luke, I need some feedback. You know, what, what do I do good and what can I do better? And he goes, you make a killer bar chart. I was like, see, that's what I do. I make bar charts, man. Who, who doesn't love a bar chart? 
Everyone loves a bar chart. And let me tell you this. I I respect what you do because, okay, did you ever watch any of Anthony Bourdain's shows? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, of course. So Anthony Bourdain always talked about how his favorite cuisine was peasant food. And by that, he meant he meant like food with like five ingredients or less, like something simple that's so wonderful. And like, that's what using the bar chart is like, there's so many exotic chart types that are alluring because like they look sexy on a page, but then like, once you get past the initial flash and appeal of like, this thing looks cool. And you try to like actually parse out the meaning of it. It starts to like lag significantly. It takes you a lot longer to get to some meaning. It's maybe not, you know, it's definitely not as effective in space. Oftentimes, like if you were to do like a radial bar chart compared to a normal bar chart, you're taking up a lot more space and it's not as clear, but like taking a bar chart and, you know, elevating it by like good annotation, great use of white space, great color choices. All of that can take what would otherwise, you know, someone might call it boring and take it to a higher level. I mean, if you look at most of my visits, Spencer, like most of the stuff that I've done this past year have been one chart or less on a page. Like I literally went, I ran away from my own style. So when I started my very first visits were like, hmm, let's see, what do I know? I know business dashboards. What do I do on business dashboards? I try to demonstrate as much as I can in one place. And I ran in the total, total opposite direction. Well, I, well, first things first, I, all I can hear now is that I make peasant visits, which is, I mean, I don't know if that was a, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> of all the I'm insults just, I've thrown at you? That might be the, no, I'm just kidding. I am completely joking. But I do like what you just said is that is uh, about, you know, what you do at work. And I do feel like that is something that I strive to do is it's like, if I'm not going to do this at work now, I mean, there are times, right? Like there's times and places for doing things that are fun, that are experimental, that really drive your passion or, or, or what have you, or, you know, push the envelope in terms of, you know, what you can. But I really do try and focus on creating things that's like, okay, how can I apply this to what I do at work? And how does this drive insight? And how does this drive my understanding of this topic? And a lot of the times I come back and go, I like that bar chart. I've still never done a Sankey. Well, honestly, the only reason I haven't done a Sankey is it's way too close to stinky. Um, And so that's why (laughs) I steer clear of that one. Yeah. I'm surprised he hasn't tried to like stake a claim on the chart. Like that's his next move. He's going to slowly edge in, alter the spelling a little bit and uh, claim one of the charts that probably gets misused. Absolutely. And I do want to clarify for all of the uh, listeners who um, may think I'm actually being serious. Luke has probably forgotten more about Tableau than I'll ever know. So I'm just giving him some, none of this is. is Please, please don't fire Spencer. Please don't fire Spencer. Please. Luke, please don't fire me. He's he's got a kid, man. I think we have our one on one. Please, please don't do it on a Friday too, right? Because we're recording this on Thursday. It's a uh, morning Friday. though. It's not the Friday afternoon one on one. Yeah, well, I mean, the Friday morning one could be a little bit more awkward, right? Because it's like I'm fired, and then it's like the rest of the day. What do I do? I say goodbye on a Friday, right? I mean, I don't know. Ooh. So on that note, uh, as we wrap up. Is there anyone you would like to shout out or like grovel before or like pledge allegiance to or anything like that? Gosh, that's intense. Pledge allegiance to. Um, Well, I'm kind of corny, so I will uh, thank my wife. All those weekends that I 
had to, you know, just dig in and learn Tableau. Most of the times it was me sitting on a couch in our living room, uh, and, you know, just kind of zoning in for hours at a time on Saturday and Sunday morning. So thank you, babe, for letting me do that. Um, it's, it's paid off. So, I mean, you know, thanks for betting on me. Um, obviously Luke has been a huge, uh, guidance has really pushed me and my understanding. Jeff Schaefer got me started in this whole business. So huge shout out to Jeff. Um, Jeff Zimmerman was a manager at, at the nonprofit that gave me a shot. I mean, there's been so many people that help me get to where I am. You know, that's like, that's the thing. And that's why, you know, when you ask, it's like, there's just so many people. I didn't get here just because I worked extremely hard. There's a lot of people that have cared about me, that have mentored me, that have, you know, shown me what's possible over the years. And so to all of you, if you didn't, you know, if, if you didn't make the list, um, thanks, mom. No, uh, but yeah, thanks, mom. Uh, you know, all the <laughs> all the people that have helped me, you know, I appreciate you. I think that's that's one of the most uh, for someone that's so corny, one of the most surprisingly poignant uh, endings to an episode we've had. So I'm going to leave it with that and not throw you under the bus with your boss anymore. Thanks for coming on, Spencer. Thanks for having me. Data Plus Love is recorded and produced by Zach Bowders. Our music track is We Are Legends by Alex Stoner. Hey, you're still here? Um, you're probably waiting for like the next podcast uh, to kick in, probably something better. Um, thanks for hanging on. Anyway, if you're picking up what we're putting down, uh, consider buying us a cup of coffee on ko-fi.com slash D-A-T-A-P-L-U-S-L-O-V-E. Um, just, you know, drop $3 in our tip bucket. It helps us buy better equipment. It helps us uh, pay for razor blades to keep me from looking like a wolf man. And it keeps uh, Mark's head looking so shiny and beautiful. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll never put anything behind a paywall. And thanks for your patronage. Have a great day. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end. I really appreciate you listening to the Data Plus Love podcast. If you'd like to see more about what we're up to with the show, go to anchor.fm slash data plus love. Just spell it out, not a literal plus sign. Here you'll be able to see our library of episodes as well as interact with them either through polls or comments or leave a voicemail message that I'll put on an episode. You can interact with me personally by joining me on Twitter. I'm at Zach Bowders, not hard to hunt down. And if you like what you're hearing, consider leaving a tip for us or signing up for a small monthly donation at our ko-fi.com slash data plus love. Buying a cup of coffee for the show is just $3 and you can get more if you choose or sign up to give that $3 or more monthly. Either way, I really appreciate it. Lastly, if you'd like to see more of my public data viz work, check me out on Tableau Public. So go to public.tableau.com and search for Zach Bowders. I'm the only one you won't have trouble finding me. I promise. So thanks again for hanging on to the end of the show. I really appreciate all of your listens. And until next time, this has been Zach Bowders for the Data Plus Love Network. <laughs>